0: The news has been fast in baseball. Sometimes it's been confusing. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. But let's try to make some sense and untangle all the spaghetti of the last few days. This is Locked On MLB. You are locked on MLB. Daily MLB Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan, as you can tell by my lower third right there if you're watching me on YouTube. Feel free to call me Sully. Thanks so much for making us your first listeners. we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMLBPod, same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. I'm recording this late on St. Patrick's Day. I'm still wearing green, but the fact of the matter is when your name is Sullivan, you're basically celebrating St. Patrick's Day all the time. Now, I didn't get a to do a chance to do a podcast the other day on the 16th of March. My mom's birthday, happy birthday, mom, a day late, but I talked to you. I don't, this is not my primary way that I communicate with my mother. I'd want that rumor to stop right away. But a lot of weird things have happened in baseball in the last couple of days. And I let's just start unpacking it right now. And I'm going to go to the big name because the big name was taken off the board the other day and Freddie Freeman. Now, Freddie Freeman is going to join the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think that's a fine – let's let's get down to brass tacks on a couple of things. The Dodgers made a very good move. It was a big splash. Putting Freddie Freeman in that lineup uh, allows them to move Muncie to second base if they want to do that. It gives them a little bit of flexibility. Uh, it gives them another big left-handed bat to go and complement some of the other sluggers they have on their team. Um, you know, they lost Seager, obviously they still have bets. They still have Turner. They still have, uh, you know, hopefully they'll can, you know, hopefully saying, you know, from the Dodgers point of view that they can turn Bellinger around. Uh, Muncie is still there. I mean, it's an excellent lineup that they have. Uh, Walker Bueller still leading that rotation. Scherzer may be gone, uh, but they're hoping that Clayton Kershaw can come back. You know, the Dodgers are clearly going to be an excellent team. Freddie Freeman, who's from Southern California, signed a long term deal to be the Dodgers' first baseman. You know, it's, it's the kind of splash that you would expect for a team like the Dodgers, who like to make these uh, big, big, bold moves as they want to win an, another World Series title and one in a 162 game season. One that doesn't have a weird caveat to it, it doesn't, one that doesn't feel weird. The last three Dodgers World Series titles all felt a little weird. They won in the COVID season, so it was only a 60-game year. They won in 1988, where they clearly weren't better than the A's or the Mets, and they deserved it. They beat the Mets. They beat the A's, but it was a weird team filled with players who were not on the Dodgers for that long. When you think of great Dodgers, you don't necessarily think of Franklin Stubbs and John Shelby and... Uh, you know, Mike Davis and John Tudor and Tim Leary. It was not filled with, you know, beloved Dodgers. And then the 81 team who won, that was in a strike-shortened season and won that Cincinnati actually won more games than the Dodgers. Under normal circumstances, the Reds would have been the division champions and not the Dodgers. The Dodgers would like to have a non-weird World Series title. One that was one over 162 games, and one that will take this great run that they've had of all these division titles and trips to the league championship series and world series and give them multiple titles. They want to they don't want to look at this run the way that the Atlanta Braves looked at the Bobby Cox run, where they only got the one title out of it. And even that was in a shortened season. So obviously, Dodgers made a smart move. Now the Braves, what I find really, really curious, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna open up some files here to make sure I'm, I'm getting everything here correctly. Now, the Braves traded four players to Oakland, including two of their top prospects. And I'm going to get to Oakland in a second here to get Matt Olson, who is younger than Freddie Freeman. And he may be a good long-term solution at first. I think the Braves aren't going to miss a beat. But Freeman was one of the beloved players on the team, and as I said, he gave the team 11 years, and you can't really ask for more than 11 years from a player, but it seemed like the amount of money that they signed Olsen, they signed him for $168 million over eight years. Meanwhile, the Dodgers paid $162 million over six years for Freddie Freeman. In other words, Freddie Freeman signed for less money and fewer years than Matt Olson, and signing Freeman wouldn't have cost them four players, including two of their best prospects. It just seems a little strange to me. I mean, I would completely understand it if Los Angeles signed him to an eight-year, 230 $40 million contract. To say, all right, well, you know what, we'd rather do this with Olsen. But for similar money and similar years and being able to keep those prospects in the system, either to develop as your own stars or to use them as trade ships down the line, I just find it strange that Freeman went elsewhere. There's something about it that doesn't add together to me. Now, it could just be both sides wanted to go different ways. And there are instances, as I pointed out before, Pujols and Pedro Martinez is coming right to mind as Hall of Famers who left the team that everyone thinks about them when they were the defending world champs because they realized it was time to move on. And in the past, I have praised St. Louis and Boston for being, I don't know, showing, as I said, the sentimentality of Michael Corleone at the baptism when it comes down to signing players to long-term deals. Pedro Martinez wanted a four-year deal from the Red Sox. The Red Sox offered him two. He jumped at the four-year deal from the Mets, and he had broken down after two. Meanwhile, the Red Sox went on and replaced, essentially replaced him with Josh Beckett, who helped them win a World Series title while Pedro Martinez was nursing his injuries with the Mets. Albert Pujols was given a five-year offer from St. Louis. He was offered ten by the Angels, and the Cardinals had ten years for a player on the wrong end of thirty. Have fun in Disneyland and use that money to bring in Carlos Beltran. Two years later, they're back in the World Series. There's something to be said about not being sentimental. The Red Sox and Cardinals, for all the old town favorite, you know the, the deep roots and everything they have in the team, are not sentimental organizations. They're willing to cut bait if it means getting back to the promised land quicker. And sometimes it's frustrating to see the likes of Nomar and Mookie Betts not being lifelong Red Sox. But the fact of the matter is they dust themselves off and both teams are back in it pretty quickly. So maybe the Braves are acting that same way. They're not going to be sentimental. The lasting image of Freddie Freeman with the Atlanta Braves is him making the final out. And they're saying they would rather have a younger Olson there and have the Dodgers pick up the declining years of Freddie Freeman. Maybe they're doing what I've praised them to do. And it's just easier to scratch your head when it's all sentimentality. It just strikes me as a little strange because they, what it cost to bring in the replacement for Freeman before Freeman was signed seemed to be a little bit, I don't know, caught me off guard. By the way, um, Rosario resigned with the Braves, so the big hero of the National League Championship Series is going to be back. Uh, Jorge Soler was picked up in midseason to fill in, and he became the World Series MVP. He's still unsigned, and it does look like the Braves are in a real big hurry to bring him back. If he signs elsewhere, he will join the likes of Ray Knight, the likes of Jack Morris, the likes of John Wetland, and of Hideki Matsui, as people who were World Series MVPs and signed with other teams in the offseason. A strange group to be in. The other outfielder that the Braves picked up as sort of a stopgap who became a postseason hero from last year was Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, a native of Palo Alto, signed a deal with his old hometown team, the San Francisco Giants, which means Jock Peterson could join a very exclusive fraternity, a fraternity of two, and could be the first player in the history of baseball to perform a certain feat. Now, here's a fraternity he has a chance to join. Don Baylor and Eric Hinsky. Both Don Baylor and Eric Hinsky played in the World Series three consecutive seasons with three different organizations. Don Baylor with the 1986 Red Sox, 1987 Minnesota Twins, and the 1988 Oakland A's, three straight years in the World Series with three different teams. Arikinski was in the 2007 World Series with the Boston Red Sox, the 2008 World Series with the Tampa Bay Rays, and the 2009 World Series with the New York Yankees. Now, Eric Hinsky was actually in the 2010 postseason with the Atlanta Braves. He had a chance to go four straight years with four different teams, but that Braves team lost in the division series. Well, Jock Peterson was part of the 2020 world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, won another World Series ring with the Braves. If he joins the Giants and the Giants make it to the World Series, he will join Baylor and Hinsky, With three straight World Series with three different teams. That's pretty cool. If he's on the Giants and they win the World Series, he would be the first player in the history of baseball to be on the three consecutive World Series champions with three different organizations. Just something to think about. It's possible. It's possible. And talking about possible, let's talk about Mission Possible. Are you ready to discover your purpose and leave an impact wherever you go? Mission Possible, written and read by New York Times bestselling author and athlete and former Mets prospect Tim Tebow, encourages you to find your inspiration, pursue your purpose, and create a life for yourself that counts. Ignite a new spark in your life through this new inspirational listen. Mission Possible by Tim Tebow is available wherever audiobooks are sold. And hey, let's talk a little bit about Locked On MLB Prospects. Thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day, but Locked On MLB Prospects is a great show hosted by Lindsey Crosby, who is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep into the Major League Baseball stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, the Oakland A's traded Matt Olson to Atlanta, and they got four players in exchange for him and that was uh, including two of the Braves' best prospects and two other young players. Well, the other day, the A's sent Chapman, Matt Chapman, their gold glove winning third baseman, and traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays. And the uh, package included uh, Gunnar Hoglund, uh, Kevin Smith, not the director of clerks, uh, Zach Logue and Kirby Sneed. If I mispronounce any of those names, I apologize. But like the move that they made with Atlanta, they got two of Toronto's best prospects. Their number five prospect was Smith uh, and their number seven prospect was Hogland. Oh, actually, no, I reversed that. Hogland was their number five. Smith was their number seven. So They got two of their top 10 prospects and two other uh, prospects. Uh, Hogland was a first round pick a few years ago log was one in their top 25. So two times they have traded away the two corner infielders, Olsen and Chapman, and they received eight players, including four prospects who rank in the top of, that, of their trade partner's organization. So they're getting both quantity and quality. Sometimes it's important to get the quantity that you just fill the Organization with with decent players, and you get a couple of blue chippers in there. In other words, what the A's are doing is not necessarily tanking. What Cincinnati is doing, they're just trading anything that isn't nailed down. This is the sort of thing that baseball should have been trying to stop with the whole work stoppage. Cincinnati's tanking. They're trading away all their interesting players. The players are getting back are kind of questionable, and looks like they're going to continue to trade away some of their pitching. But the A's are rebuilding, and there's a difference. The A's are making moves to bring in quality young players into their organization and build from there. And I have no doubt that the A's are going to be in a position to be a playoff team, maybe not in 2022, but in 2023 and beyond. These are smart moves by the A's. If they think we're not going to win with these guys, then let's just fill our our organization with a lot of quality prospects. Now, what this also means is Toronto has made a ton of moves and look really good And the acquisition of Chapman, the acquisition of Kikuchi. The Blue Jays have made a lot of moves. And Now, granted, they had some rough moments this offseason. They lost Robbie Ray, and they lost Marcus Simeon, but they're essentially replacing Simeon with Chapman. They've replaced Robbie Ray with Kikuchi. They, they've made some good, solid moves. they also brought in Gosman, who pitched very, very well for San Francisco last year. So the Blue Jays, they're as much of a pennant contender as any team in baseball right now, certainly in the American League. And the Rays and the Jays are probably the two best teams in that division. The Red Sox, who got to within two wins of the World Series last year, did not they've not made a big splash so far. And they just lost Kyle Schwarber to the Philadelphia Phillies in a move that, uh, you know, it will certainly make the Phillies fun. Wherever Kyle Schwarber, he's a a Johnny Appleseed of fun because he's going to hit mammoth home runs and he's going to give some protection to Bryce Harper in that lineup. I don't know why the Red Sox didn't bring him back. He seemed like a perfect fit for the team, and he did a great job when he was there last year. Red Sox found out that Chris Sale is going to miss Probably the first two months of the season, and so you know it doesn't fare well for the Red Sox moving forward. The Yankees, look at—we talked long about the deal involving uh, Chapman and involving Connor Falefa the other day. They brought back Anthony Rizzo, which in a vacuum looks like a good move, and in fact, I said if they had acquired one of the the shortstops who were available, and by the way, Correa and Story are still available as of this recording, if the Yankees had inserted one of the quality shortstops, then Rizzo would have been an ideal move. The Left-handed power hitter, he seemed to fit in perfectly well with the team last year. But having Rizzo join Kiner-Falefa and a potentially injured Donaldson, I don't see where the Yankees have improved the team. Seriously. Have they improved their defense? Well, assuming that Donaldson is going to play, maybe. Maybe. But they also couldn't hit last year. And they're banking that DJ LeMayhew and Joey Gallo are going to have bounce-back seasons. And that Stanton is going to avoid injuries, and that Aaron Judge is going to get his freaking shot. And that's a lot to bank on. That's a lot to assume. I think Tampa Bay is better than the Yankees. I think Toronto's better than the Yankees. I think Chicago's better than the Yankees. I think Houston's better than the Yankees. And with some of the moves that Seattle has made, to try to bolster their offense and having Robbie Ray on the team. I think Seattle's better than them. And this whole notion of the Yankees being the big old mean spenders, that's really not been the case. Has it? The Yankees are not an elite team. Neither are the Red Sox. At least the Red Sox have won a pennant in the last decade. I don't understand when you've had all of these blue-chip free agents in their prime a couple of years ago. You could have inserted Manny Machado at shortstop. He could have been the starting shortstop at Yankee Stadium for 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022. You have four years of that while you're waiting for Volpe to show up. You would have had in this right-handed heavy lineup, you would have had Bryce Harper who was available and no one wanted to sign for a while. Okay, you didn't want them. You could have had Freddie Freeman coming off a World Series title, being that big left-handed bat they need that might be able to take some of the pressure off of Gallo, take some of the pressure off of Stanton. Maybe you could have had Correa or Story or Seager or Simeon or Baez, but instead they've been doing the bargain basement route, and I don't see the team having improve themselves. It's strange. It's surreal. And I've not exactly been shy in saying that I'm not exactly a Yankee fan. But That being said, what's going on? They, are they better? Is their pitching staff better? Is their lineup better? Seriously, who thinks this is a better Yankee team? And still story and Correa are still unsigned at this point. Now, I'm going to get this story in a second because, well, the other weird acquisition that happened recently reflects my thoughts on story. But, you know, some of these teams have been making improvements, and the Yankees just seem to be tinkering with the engine as opposed to giving it an overhaul, and it, as opposed to getting the real help to have that engine run. Kind of like if you go to Rock Auto. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating question and wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts of their computer, choosing the brands that their warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, so go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution for your auto parts needs. Was that grammatically correct? I don't know. I may need to do adjustments on my sentence structure. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Do You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. All right, let's talk about the single strangest move that happened in baseball. And I want to tell you one person who I do not blame because I think that he did something that we would all do. Let's talk a little bit about Chris Bryant, okay? Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant signed a deal. Now, Chris Bryant, former MVP, still a good solid player was signed by... Now, who's going to sign him? The Dodgers may have signed him. Cardinals may have signed him. Uh, Who else could have signed him? Uh, Seattle was kicking around. I thought maybe he'd be a nice pick to go to the uh, uh, Miami Marlins, who need a big hitter. Maybe he would have fit with the Red Sox. A lot of places he could have gone. Instead the 30-year-old Chris Bryant signed a $182 million deal over seven years to join the Colorado Rockies. Let's unpack this for a second. Chris Bryant, who is roughly the same age as Freddie Freeman, got more years than Freddie Freeman, and got more money than Freddie Freeman, in the open market. And ah, uh, did anyone see this one coming? And look it, i am not going to blame Chris Bryant one nanosecond for this deal, because I—I I don't think anyone saw him getting 182 million dollars on the market. This is why. Okay, Scott Boris. Is the best of what he does is he took Bryant out to this market and got a deal better than Freddie Freeman did. Okay. And not for one second do I want to hear anyone criticizing Chris Bryant's desire to win and desire to be a great player simply because he signed this seven or eight-year deal with the Colorado Rockies. And here's why. As he is going into, I mean, look at Chris Bryant had a, a you know, had a good year last year, not a great year. Uh, his last great year was probably twenty nineteen. Um, he has played a hundred, hasn't played one hundred and fifty games since twenty seventeen. Um, some of his production has gone down, but he's still a solid player. <laughs> not thinking he's going to get this type of a contract. Uh, Anyone who wants to criticize his desire to win and everything like that. Fact of the matter is, he signed for the best contract and for the most amount of money. And so would you. No one else offering him this kind of deal. He signed it. So would you. Now, he doesn't want to win. Uh, May I remind you of the fact that he was the most valuable player in baseball in 2016 And made the final out, or at least threw the ball to Anthony Rizzo for the final out for the Cubs, the Cubs, the freaking Cubs, to win the World Series. He got big hits in that great rally that they had. I was, of course, rooting for Cleveland at the time, but, you know, who am I to to take anything away from the fact that he had, you know, he wound up getting a home run in that, uh, uh, two big home runs in that World Series. And you know, had a, a very good postseason against the Giants and against the Dodgers to get him into the World Series. And he he was the he was the spark plug of the team that broke the curse of the Billy Goat. Okay. Now here's the other thing: homegrown MVP who delivered what Ernie Banks couldn't, what Ryan Sandberg couldn't what Greg Maddox couldn't, what Billy Williams couldn't, all these great Cubs, Ron Santo, Fergie Jenkins, none of them could deliver. Chris Bryant was the MVP of that team. He should have been a Cub for life. They should have signed him to the long-term deal, even when they were tearing the team apart. Remember, the Cubs were in first place in June. But then when they started falling apart, they tore the team down. Bryant should have stayed. There should have been one player. One star and Chris Bryant, homegrown, and whose salary and like in our you know, the his uh playing time was manipulated deliberately in 2015 so they can squeeze another year. Everything about his tenure with the Cubs was filled with kind of sort of strange ugliness that they were playing with as is playing with a service time and the first moment they had they wound up trading him to san francisco okay and he probably looks up and said hey i delivered a title i delivered a championship i delivered an mvp and i got shipped to san francisco for caleb killian and alexander canario two players not even major leaguers this is a business he should have been a Cub for life. He's out there as a free agent. I said, well, you know what? I've won my ring with the Cubs. That should count as three rings. I've won my MVP. I've done all this. And that wasn't enough to get loyalty and to have the the, the type of contract that he should have gotten. Fine. I'll take it from Colorado. Denver's a nice place to live. He'll get to pad his stats at Coors Field. And make so much money that his great-grandchildren could go to law school. So there you go. I don't blame Chris Bryant at all. What I find bizarre is two things. First of all, this is the type of contract that's going to be hard to move Chris Bryant as he goes deeper into his 30s. But also, if they're going to spend that kind of money, if the Rockies turned over enough cushions and found 180 million tomatoes Why not just re sign Trevor Story? If they want to get the goodwill back from the fans who seem to be angry that they, you know, they re signed Nolan Arenado to make him a Rocky for life and then wound up flipping him to St. Louis, to be able to say, hey, Trevor Story, you get to be a Rocky for life. If you're a Rocky fan, you get Trevor Story. This guy's going to be here. And when eventually, things line up and the Rockies get back to the postseason like they did in 2017 and 2018, maybe Trevor Story will be there. And it'll be an instance kind of like when Todd Helton was on the team that went to the World Series, that the guy who had been there for a long time manages to celebrate on the field. Instead, they spent it on Bryant, who has no goodwill in the bank in Colorado, who fans have no connection with. If you had that kind of money lying around, bring back your guy. Think about the, the, the positivity that that would bring. Instead of, you know, if they had done that, if they found that they said, oh, look at that, We we, we, we I haven't worn this jacket since last November. I put my hand in it, and there was $180 million in it. And they found that money, and they re-signed Trevor Story, I think some people may have wondered why would Story want to come back, or may, you know, why was this drawn out? But we would all be able to say, all right, they wanted to keep their guy in the fold. Instead, there's this. The Rockies aren't here. They're in division with the you know, the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. Now, granted, the Padres have lost Tatis for a few months because. Tatis never really thought that maybe I shouldn't be riding a motorcycle now. But I digress. Rockies aren't making it in. They're not making it in as a wildcard team. So I don't understand this move. I completely understand it for Bryant. He's now a multimillionaire. I would imagine that would be a fun thing to be. But what are the Rockies doing? And again, story still unsigned. Now, here's what I would understand. If they flipped over another cushion and they brought back story, then you could say, oh, look at that. They're trying to put a couple of veterans on the team. But, you know, Boris is great at what he does. If there were agents for podcasters, I'd send Scott Boris. And maybe, just maybe, the fact that a certain smokable thing is legal in Denver may have helped in the negotiations. I like Chris Bryant. Always have. He's a very easy player to root for. And he should have been a Chicago Cub for his entire career. And maybe, just maybe, he'll be sent someplace in a weird salary dump. But this has to be one of the most confusing deals I've ever seen. If you have any clue of what the Rockies are thinking shoot me a a tweet over at Sully Baseball. But I get it for Chris Bryant. He was shown very early on. This is a business. Don't get any emotions attached to it. And he said, well, I've won my World Series. I've won my MVP. I just got paid. And I get to just hit bombs and cores for the next seven years? I'll take it. And I, too, am available for a similar price. But, hey... There's going to be more news to talk about, and what was really fun about yesterday is there were some spring training games. And I'm not going to report on them because it's practice, but the fact of the matter is, baseball's real and baseball's back. And we keep doing these. I got a couple more podcasts lined up for this weekend, and then a whole new slate coming up. So thanks so much for making us your first listen, and go check out some of the other shows in the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day because there are fabulous shows out there covering all these events. So late on St. Patrick's Day of 2022, and this is probably dropping on the 18th of March 2022. This has been Locked On MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.